What's going on, y'all? This is Greg Bryant here. I'm a bass player and uh, podcast host of Jazz Watch. But uh, thanks to the good old folks that compared to what? Charlie Hunter, my good friend, and uh, my new good friend, Adam Dorn, the motion worker. They've allowed me to uh, guest host uh, an episode of Compared to What? And I'm sitting here with... uh, a soul man, dyed-in-the-wool soul man, Mr. Charles Wig Walker. He and I are both from Nashville, and we're hanging out together. What's going on, Charles? Man, everything's everything. For sure, for sure. Man, I know a lot of people, they think that Nashville is just, you know, country and western town, man. But uh, you came out, came up in the days of, you know, good old soul, man. Kind of tell me what it was like growing up around here, man. What did you see? What did you hear? Well, man, it is a a country town, <laughs> you know. I mean, country music town, but uh, it's also uh, getting to be very, very cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different kind of things going on in Nashville now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm doing a lot of work around Nashville with my small group, uh, my trio, with a bunch of top-notch musicians, uh, mm-hmm. Charles Treadway. Uh, Pat Bergeson and Pete Abbott, mm-hmm. you know, those are the guys in the band, and we just finished recording uh, an album, and, yeah. you know, you know, I'm hoping for the best. Keep it going, exactly, man, exactly. And full disclosure here, um, big shout out to our buddy, uh, Bill, Bill Elder, um, he drafted me to come into uh, the band The Dynamites, right. <laughs> you know. And uh, for those who may uh, be unaware, there are only about three or four tried and true soul bands throughout this country anyway. Mm-hmm. And The Dynamites is one of them. And uh, as soon as I got the call to be down with that, I ran for it because, um, man, you are the real deal. You know, um, you started singing soul music First in Nashville, man, like probably in the late 50s, right? Yep. You're right. I started my uh, career. I had a record release in 1958. Mm. And uh, from there on, I I didn't stick around here much longer after that. I stayed around a couple of years and went to and left went to New York Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to uh, try to further my career, which. uh, I had met uh, James Brown here in Nashville. Really, man, tell tell me what that was about. Did he play at like the New Era Club here? Where where'd you see no, him at? He played at Sufferdale, where they're building the new baseball stadium now. Oh, okay, okay. And For those that might not, that's in the it's in the the the, the African American section of town. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I met James here, and he told me, you know, if I ever got to New York, look him up and. Mm. Yeah. So once I got there, he was playing at the parlor, and I looked him up. <laughs> wow, man, that's killing. That's killing, man. And to move from Nashville to New York, man, in the late late fifties, must have been a culture shocker for you, man. Do, do you oh. remember what it was like when you first arrived? Yeah, it was. Uh, I actually got there in in sixty late sixty one. Okay, sixty two, something like that. Okay, but it was quite a culture shock because. Uh, First of all, uh, uh, of course, being from a small town, you never, I never seen that many people. 
I'm, I think in all the NASP, I hadn't seen that many people in one block. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know what to do, but uh, I'm pretty shocked. I just stayed in the house for about two weeks before I come out. I bet. <laughs> I bet, man. I bet. Oh man! So did you, did you have like relatives up there, man? How how did you how did you find a place to stay and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. I had my, uh, my aunt live there, right in the middle of Harlem, and uh, right on Eighth Avenue at uh, around 120, between 126 and 127th. Mm-hmm. So sort of right in the back of the Apollo. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. And so uh, I stayed with her and my aunt for about a year or so. You know, because I got right on the road with James. So. Wow. So, so when you saw him at the Apollo, did 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 he remember you right away? How'd you get backstage and all that? Well, I went to the back door and knocked on the door, and uh, it was to my amazement that uh, they let me in because they don't usually let people just come right uh-huh. into the. But he heard me talking to the guy downstairs and uh, said, "Let him in, let him in." You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Well, you know what? I was on the road as the opening act for James Brown. Wow! And so that was my first experience in uh, in on the road music. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did a couple of years around Nashville and Mm -hmm. thought I was like the hottest thing. And Mm -hmm. you know, you know, but you you quickly find out, and once you get out into the world, that it's so many great singers, and Mm -hmm. you know. Wow, yeah, man. So, like, um, how how would it be with James? Because you know, you think about his, I guess, show as really, you know, comprehensive. There was a, you know, maybe a tap dancer. You were the opening singer. You know, there was a dancer. There was. This is like pre JVs. This is like Famous yeah, yeah. Flames kind of. Stuff. Yeah, that's uh, when it's James Brown's and Famous Flame. Mm-hmm. Well, it was me and. Uh, the J.C. Davis band. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was... It was just just James Brown, us, and J.C. Davis band, and I was singing with the band. Mm-hmm. And, uh... No, it wasn't too many other acts on the show. Mm-hmm. From the Flames coast. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh... We traveled constantly. I mean, yeah. it was one night after another. You know, wow. So. Wow. But it was a learning process, and I was very fortunate to be able to do that because you learn a lot mm-hmm. from a top-notch act like James Brown. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. you learn a, a lot about stage, a lot about people, a lot about everything. So. For sure, man. And, mm-hmm. man, I, I, you know, they, they say the cat was, was the top-notch businessman. You know, he was hard to deal with, I guess, sometimes. But, you know, it was just one of them things where he he meant business. Is that right? Yeah, he was he, he was not, he was hard to get along with. I mean, he's just a businessman and he wanted everything. What he what he wanted, what he wanted done, he wanted it done the mm-hmm. way he had, you know, put, set it up. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, as far as uh, I used to try all the time to do things, uh, like if I was supposed to do two or three songs, I would try to make a medley out of it, and right away that would be the end of that, you know. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, you get fired, but, but you know, it's just for a little minute or two. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, call you back and then <laughs> right back out there again. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> that's that's wild, man. But man, you were in you were in New York, and I always tell people sometimes I think I was born too late because there was so much stuff going on yeah. early '60s, mid '60s in New York City, and I guess you would go around, you know, the Chitlin Circuit, I guess, as it was then, yeah. you know, with James and all the, you know, African American theaters and so forth. Man, um, that's one thing too. I guess what was it like, man? Because it's hard for somebody like me to imagine playing for almost all African-American audiences now. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with diverse audiences, but there seemed to be like a different energy playing for cats from your same experience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is. Uh, actually, uh, playing for uh, predominantly uh, uh, black audience, African-American audience, uh, Actually, it's a little bit more difficult than tell, you might tell think. Me about it. Tell me about it. You know, because mm-hmm. they they be looking for the best out of you. You know, and uh, they pretty much know. You know, and they they know the songs. They know the uh, they know when when things are not going right. Uh-huh. You know, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes today's audience you can skirt around a little bit of that, and uh-huh. but not then. Mm-hmm. You, Mm-hmm. I mean, and all the acts mm-hmm. at that time were all uh, different, different kinds of acts. Mm-hmm. Although they were all soul acts and mm-hmm. and R and B and blues acts, and, uh, jazz acts, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But everybody had their own style, their own uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, voice uh, recognition. Yeah. And, uh, so of course you know that's years ago. So this like like now it's like so many singers and so many um, but you just don't find um, you don't find diversity. You find more people sounding a lot of people sounding just alike. I think it's the culture of uh, the way things are set up with with the record companies and there. Mm-hmm. they try to. They try to keep everybody in a, in a, in a box. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's different than, and it's, I guess, a thing I just thought of, you know, you're a great songwriter, too. Back then, were you able to sing your own songs, or did they only want to hear, like, the top, you know, 40 or what? Well, back, were... Yeah, well, back then, I was doing mostly, you know, top 40 stuff, mm-hmm. because uh, I didn't really start doing the, my original stuff until I got away from James and mm-hmm. you know I, I I was with James and I went with Jackie Wilson then I went with Eddie James and hmm. so on and so on and mm-hmm. but uh till I formed my own group uh started writing mm-hmm. then cause I didn't write anything back in the uh, in the early day I mean the 50s mm-hmm. uh Sixes is when I started to uh, adventure off into trying to write songs, uh, mm-hmm. and even then I didn't write that many. Yeah, I I really didn't start writing a lot of songs until mm, about the seventies and eighties. Gotcha, I gotcha, yeah. I gotcha. 
Man, one of the things too, like I guess when you when you got off the road with James and you were back in New York, I guess it'd be kind of the the middle '60s. Is that when you started doing your thing at Small's Paradise? Exactly. I um, I put a, a group together called Little Charles and the Sidewinders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we took a we took a year and went down to Columbus, Ohio, and we had like a, a resident. Oh, okay. And so we just kind of... Building up your repertoire. Yeah, uh-huh. and really put the act together. Because the first time I was at Smalls, I actually got fired the first night. Really? Oh, no. <laughs> no, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Yeah, because I was I was doing a, a, a sort of a James Brown act. Okay, okay. And... Uh, and, and, and for people who don't know, back yeah. then, Small was like straight jazz almost. Yeah, and uh, not only that, it was, uh, I did one of those, you know, one of those acts where yeah, I liked fake the faint, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they thought something was really wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, it was taking me downstairs to see what was wrong, and then I said, man, put me down. I'm That's part of the act. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't be part of the act in here no more. So, <laughs> so, oh man, that's wild. But yeah. man, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, it, it hadn't been for guys like King Curtis. King Curtis was a staple in, in at at Smalls, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, he told me, he "said Look, man, go ahead and get your act together, and hmm. I can straighten it. I'll get you back in the Smalls and." And wow. exactly, I called him when I got it together. He told me, come on back. Wow. The job was open. Wow. And I stayed in Smalls. It was my home base for about 10 years. Wow. <laughs> Man, that's killing. That's killing. Um, and, and for those who, who may not know, at one time it was, you know, Wilt Chamberlain's Smalls Paradise. But he really wasn't the, the cat in charge, was it? It was another guy. No, it, it was... Uh, what was the name? Well, you know, because everybody know Will Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. But the the club was owned by a couple of people, and mm-hmm. uh, which I rather not get all into right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, you know, uh, it's pretty much documented. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one thing I try to do now in interviews, uh, I try to stay away from things that mm, mm-hmm. just kind of try to keep it. I only up and up, you know. Okay, okay. It's all good. It's all good. Well, man, t- kind of describe for me uh, the, the the setup in Smalls. For those who don't know, there's actually two rooms in there, right? There's like a front room, yeah, and then then a back room. Yeah, there's uh the front room was very, very um it was a bar, big round or like a horseshoe bar or something, and mm-hmm. and it was all of the um. I, that's where I mostly sing was up, up there. Front room, uh-huh. And then when we had big shows, we had them in the back, and mm-hmm. it's a big stage back there and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, the front was the place because all of the uh, the entertainment world would come there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody, you could see on any given night, you could see, I mean, you see Sammy Davis, you see Belafonte, wow. you see... You know, all the jazz guys, Miles, and wow. uh, uh, and even a lot of actresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they all came through, man, and they all, it was like a place for, where they all met. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be parked, limousines would be parked three deep outside. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's wild. That's wild. Great days, man. It was, it, you could never get away with that kind of stuff now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe there'll be a, be a revival. You know, when I think about it, it's just kind of like, you know, they were on to something. They were yeah. doing what it was. Y'all were doing what it was that you did. But to have all those kind of diverse people come to check you out, oh, yeah. it must have been pretty strong. Yeah, it was, it, it was very uh, strong. And it was a funny thing because, you know, when you're a young guy, you don't really uh, take all that into uh, mm. consideration. You just, it's just a place, man, and it's, it's, it's uh, where all of the uh, top entertainers, mm-hmm. people from the Broadway shows and, and, uh, mm-hmm. I did parties for, for big time acts, you know, like private parties and mm-hmm. like Sammy Davis. I did a private party for him and in wow. Smalls. Wow. And uh, what was uh, he like, by the way, man? Was he was he pretty cool? He seemed pretty, reg- pretty regular guy, man. He, you know, uh, I I I I, 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 I just say that he was a really straight up guy, as far as I was concerned. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but that was you know Dean Martin and all those guys was was there and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it was it was quite the uh, place you know. I, yeah, I mean, people ask me about it all the time, and this is probably the first time I really did a, a real mm-hmm. interview about it because I don't really get into it too much. You sure. know, sure, sure. So, it's uh, I mean there, are, there are things there that, that uh, just unbelievable. I mean people wouldn't believe it anyhow, you know. Really? I mean they've seen it sort of in movies and stuff where, mm-hmm. you know, across 110th Street and mm-hmm. and you know places and movies like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of that stuff is really true. I mean, and uh, really, of course uh, the. Uh, the uh, American Gangster, and, yeah, you know, so uh, and there's sort of a relationship in that. That's that yeah. was that was kind of real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it was. I mean, wow, yeah. Wow. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll just stay right there on that. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. It's cool. It's cool, man. But uh. You know, it's 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 very interesting to me too, man. Like, okay, you guys, the soul guys, mm-hmm. at first were kind of like the outcasts. Yeah. But then, okay, you have an instrument like the Hammond organ. Yeah. And then you guys adopt it to kind of get in a little bit on that soul jazz side of things. But you still do your soul. Oh yeah. And then eventually, here it is. You guys end up kind of taking over, like. Y'all are the predominant sound now. Yeah, well, you know, the, it's uh, it's uh, the way things are. It evolves into a. When I first went to a Smalls, it was straight up jazz. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, sort of organ trio jazz. Yeah, like the Willis Jackson yeah, kind of stuff. It or... was uh, where King Curtis was playing there. Mm-hmm. Um, Don Gardner, D.D. Ford, mm-hmm. uh, 
a lot of ex, a lot of guys, mm-hmm. a lot of them, man. And then there was Count Basis right across the street. Yeah. And then, now, that was a place where, where like McDuff and George Benson. That's where, uh, yeah. Grant Green and them. Yeah, that's where I, I see, uh, uh, oh, uh, what's his name, uh? Shirley Scott and uh, yes, Turrentine and Stanley. Oh wow, they were there. Yeah, they were the main in bases. Yeah, that's cool. And I seen I met George and, uh, and MacDuff up on 116th Street mm-hmm. at at the uh, at the uh, basement uh, club down there up under the uh, Cecil Hotel. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Not and, the Mittens. Mittens. Yeah. yeah. Oh Mittens. And, uh, they just reopened. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I don't go. You know, I don't go to New York too much uh, mm-hmm. anymore. But the next time I go there, I'm gonna take a little stroll around and, yeah. and see. Uh, I went down the last time I was there to, just to see what small still there. Of course, it mm-hmm. wasn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I can't really say anything. Uh, bad about New York. New York was great for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved it. I still do. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's a great, great place, man. Yeah. Great place. Met some great, met some great, great musicians and singers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actors, and it's an unbelievable <laughs> experience. Really, I mean, I don't think too many people got a chance to ever do anything like like that. You know, right on, right on. Well, man, and then as I guess the 60s were turning into the 70s, you know, we started to see, I guess, some of the clubs close in and it's kind of harder to get work and so forth. And were, were you down with the, uh, you were telling me you were down with the Motown cats for a little uh, while? What, what went down with that? See, there's, that that kind of thing went into my uh, uh, bio. Mm-hmm. What it really was, it was, I was, the Commodores were playing at Smalls before, okay. they, before they got big. Uh, and I, so I knew all the guys, and and I was writing songs, uh, and they were going through the Commodore's manager to Motown, oh. and he was calling himself, doing me a favor. Of course, I never uh, seen any residuals. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, that's just part of the thing yeah. you put in your bio and all that. But yeah. But I knew all the Motown guys anyhow because mm-hmm. you know we was always on tour and yeah and uh, I was on a lot of those shows. I was on just about every show. Just, you know yeah, man. And you know, like from Atlantic City to uh, which Atlantic City is another interesting thing because mm-hmm. that's where I met most of the jazz guys. Really? Yeah. Really? Who are, who are some of the cats? Was that was that mostly? Was it then still in the casinos, or were there like separate? Clubs? No, no, no. The casinos hadn't uh, moved into Atlantic City then. It was really a hip kind of place uh, okay. to be. Uh, uh-huh. uh, a lot of jazz acts, uh, organ trio, uh, guitar uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, trios, and quartets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I met a lot of guys. You know, Grant. Uh, Wow, Grant Green and that's my dude. And uh, yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, I played with a uh, what's it, Grant? Yeah, Grant's son, other, mm-hmm. other Grant Junior. Yeah, I yeah, played, he's in Georgia now. Yeah, I played with him on that show down there. Oh, that's cool. You just did a show with um, 
with uh, Bernard. Bernard Purdy, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what was that like a James Brown tribute thing? It was a James Brown tribute thing, and uh, I really didn't know what to think about it at first, but it really turned out to be a real nice show. That's killing, man. You know, that's killing. We had like, like the thing like James did with two drummers. Mm-hmm. Bernard played all the way through, and mm-hmm. and another guy played drums named named Mark. Yeah. Uh, that's played with the dynamite. Yeah, and, I know yeah. Mark. Yeah, so, Ritabaga. Yeah, that's a good cat. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there was a lot of good good act, a lot of good talent on there. You know? mm-hmm. So I had a good time, and I really didn't expect it. You know, because a lot of times people throw these things together and say, we're going to do a tribute thing to this and that, and it turns out to be a bunch of crap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, man, so when 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 the 70s turned over and you were still traveling and stuff, was that the first time that you was able to go over to Europe? Is that how that went down? Well, the 70s was a strange time because the 70s is when the disco era. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, boy. And... uh I, I tried. I tried to hang in there with, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, but it just wasn't wasn't fitting me. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like the late seventies, I took a sabbatical. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I just kind of moved out, stopped singing for a while. Mm-hmm. Not stopped singing, but stopped touring. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, in the the late. I mean, the, the 80s is when I went to uh, to Europe. Mm-hmm. I went over there. And they called me about doing a... They had heard some of my old records from, from Chess and Decker. Mm-hmm. And they called me to come over to do a... I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I was mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. And they, they, like, played the record, and I had to sing to the record. Oh, wow. So, that, of course, you know, that's probably one of the hardest things in the world because... You never sing it again the same way, you know. Right. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, but the thing was interesting was I found out all about what was going on with the record business in hmm. in Europe. I got over there and found out I was a, a star. Wow. <laughs> you know. Because wow. I mean? it's different. Because that, that's one of the things too I wanted to ask you about re- recording. It seemed to be so much easier than it is now. Now it's almost like. We want to see that you've sold a record. Now we'll sign you. Yeah. But then was and even, it? And even with the, even with, even with, with that, it's just an adjunct to uh, getting gigs. It's, it's not about the records anymore. I mean, CDs and all that stuff is almost obsolete. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can sell CDs off the stage and mm-hmm. still make some money. Right. But downloads and all that, that's, mm-hmm. that's taken over, and of course. Yeah. You know, it's a terrible thing, really, but that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's really wild, you know. Um, but, De- yeah, so Decca, and you recorded for Decca and Chess. And Chess, yeah. And, and Botanic Records was a, was another record label out of New York that I recorded for. Did a, it, really, that's the first company I did a full album for. Wow. And was that with the Little Charles and the Sidewinders? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, what, and I know it was a Hammond organ, but what was the rest of the instruments? You had horns, of course. Oh yeah, was, we had a, we had the Hammond, we yeah. had a, a guitar, bass, mm-hmm. drums, mm-hmm. Uh, sax, and and uh, trumpet. Mm-hmm. 
and sometimes it would be three horns, and sometimes it would be we would use percussion. We did use percussion for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was a dynamite band. I mean, it was really a, one of the top bands around New York. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, That's awesome. And those were the records that, I guess, the European audiences, I guess, through trading and so forth. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I, you know, that's how I, what I found out on, when I did a, a gig, like, way up in a place called Blackpool, mm-hmm. England, which is almost the end of England, and mm-hmm. almost you can see the Isle of Man from standing outside the club, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, uh, but uh, I found out that uh, my records were selling for you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and, mm-hmm. and uh, two or three of them were like constantly played all the time. Wow! So uh, wow. that's when I decided to go back into music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, I just, I had some demons I had to get over. over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I did that while I was uh, out of music for a minute. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. got myself together and come on back to, when I found out in England, I, I kind of stayed over there for a while. Hmm. And I moved down to Spain. Oh, wow. That must have been cool. Yeah. Stayed down in uh, Mallorca for close to five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, just did did gigs, uh, duo gigs with uh, me and my wife at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And she played key- piano. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we were there at, uh, you know, some of the Spanish guys, uh, mm-hmm. mostly percussion. Yeah. And we would have like a sort of a Latin jazz soul thing going on. That's you know? cool. That's cool. It really, it really was nice. I had a great time and relaxed and then I wasn't worried about anything and just mm-hmm. just living the life. Went to the beach every day. <laughs> man, <laughs> that's killing. That's killing. Different from Nashville. Well, man, why'd you come back here? Because I'm like, you was on the beach every day, man. Well, you know, uh, well, she passed away mm-hmm. and I had to bring her back to New York and sure. she passed away in New York but she was very ill and sure. so I brought her back to New York and she passed away mm-hmm. and then I decided I was going to come home to see my people hmm. and I got here it was totally a different place Yeah, you yeah. know because uh, when I left Nashville I only had, only had two tall buildings that was the Capitol <laughs> and the LNC building <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh when I got back here, man, it was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really a happening place. I mean, I put out more records here than I put out anywhere else mm-hmm. since I've been here. Wow, wow, man, that's <laughs> something. That's something, man. What do you think? And and because you're you're you know the original soul man, what do you think about this revival of you know soul? I mean, you know, there's good things about it and and bad things about it. But man, with the Dynamites band that you you know are the, you know, front man for, you know, the majority of the time, you know, it's a little different than, say, some of the acts who are, you know, great, like, you know, Sharon Jones and, you know, Lee Fields mm-hmm. and all them, you know, they were around, you know, as kids when it was happening, but, man, you were on the scene doing it originally. Mm-hmm. Kind of how do you feel about this soul revival? Well, uh, there are some very good uh, points about it, uh, I think uh, 
Sharon Jones and, and, and the Dab Kings, uh, they were strong. They stuck with it, and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they made something out of it. They really did well with it. They doing yeah. they doing well now. Yeah. And Lee Fields too. I I, I just did a gig with um, Lee Fields here in Nashville, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel that they they kind of just sticking to their conviction. You know, they mm. they. Uh, I don't think there's anything fake about it at all, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And and you know sometimes when when revivals of anything comes up, it's mm-hmm. always a lot of fake stuff, you know. True. That's, so, true. That's true. I mean, in the jazz field, everywhere else, mm-hmm. I mean, people yeah uh, try to re- you try to revise sixties and seventies jazz. Mm-hmm. It's it's not an easy thing right. because it, right. I mean those guys in those in those years they went through a lot a lot of stuff trying to get mm-hmm. trying to you know bring that that music to life right and uh, I just don't think the guys nowadays have that sort of fortitude to <laughs> stick with it like that and yeah and go through the uh, hardships and you know yeah I mean. Well, it's a different thing to me. Like it's it's, you know, instant pudding. You know, I grew up with you know just stir and mix. Yeah. Then that instant gratification thing. Whereas like you guys, had to really take your time to get anything. That's true. You know. You really had to. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was a different world. It was. You could, you could talk to the jocks then, and you could mm-hmm. you could get your record played if you had a. Fairly good product. Uh, mm-hmm. you can, nowadays, you can't get a record played unless you with one of the major record companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there are records that slip through, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking about that with this new album that we are mm-hmm. that we are producing and, and, re, and uh, recording now mm-hmm. with the small band with the trio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking the same thing, uh, but it's going to be the story of it. What's going to happen? You know, like yeah. I mean, we can use it as, as a tool uh, to get gigs or uh, uh, open some kind of door. Some maybe a a song might get in a movie or something, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, you don't think of it as a million seller anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, back in the day, all of us just trying to get a million seller. Right. You know. Right. For sure. Yeah. It's really passe. Yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is too. And I'm I'm really grateful um, for the audiences that have come. Even when I play with you, you know, mm-hmm. to 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 watch us and check it out. I like the enthusiasm, the fact that they want to hear real music. Yeah. You know, and I wish you know in the urban communities that both you and I come from, there was even more love for it. Yeah. You know, as a young man, sometimes, again, like I feel like sometimes I was born too late. I'm kind of out of place because a lot of the real live instrumentation and sounds that I grew up hearing, that's what I want to do now. That's what I play. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess uh, I think I feel fortunate that I, even though it, it, it dates me in a long in a way, but 
I'm still living, and so what else can you say? Right on. But, uh, uh, I grew up in a great time when music was music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what I uh, appreciate more about the uh, the years I grew up. Uh, I come through. It was uh, the music was really strong music. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the guys, Otis Redding, uh, James, Jackie. Uh, Eddie James, um, guys like Lil Willie John. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a bad dude. I mean, I idolized those guys, man. And mm-hmm. So it, it really it really was a difficult thing for me to try to establish a sound because I, I'd been around these guys so long. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so, and I always thought that, and people always said that, well, you, know, you sound so much like this, you sound so much like that. Mm-hmm. But actually, when you record, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. I don't sound like uh, these other guys. Mm-hmm. I have my own sound. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, that's a little bit, uh, that makes you feel a little bit better because even though you try to sound like them. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Charles, man. This is great, man. Yeah, man. Awesome. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah, man. Yeah, cool.